Thank you for watching NTD Business coming up tonight. Democrats' years-long probe into former President Trump's finances made public today. A House committee released his tax returns for the past six years. How is Trump responding? A medical professor warns that travelers from China could fuel a new global COVID wave. This as China eases curbs on international travel. And to start off the new year, states all over the country are cutting taxes. Many of them want to lower taxes even more in the future, some down to zero. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here. Ending several years of court challenges, former President Trump's tax returns are now public. House Democrats released them today, saying it's their duty to provide a check on the executive branch. Others say it's a violation of privacy and a dangerous new political weapon. NTD's Melina Weizkup has details. Two years after leaving the White House and just a few months into his new run for office, Trump's tax returns are now open for public scrutiny. The Democrat-led House Ways and Means Committee released the past six years of Trump's tax returns, revealing that for four of those six years, uh, Trump reported income losses. In 2020, the former president reported a loss of $4.7 million and paid zero in federal taxes. But in 2018 and 2019, he and Melania paid about $1.1 million in net federal income taxes. The documents of his returns are thousands of pages and include both his individual returns and business returns. Now, Democrats have been working for years since 2019 to get access to these documents. The legal battle lasted for years and went all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court finally ruled last month, allowing Congress to have access to these tax returns. Although in that ruling, it was relatively short and the justices didn't explain their reasoning for allowing Congress to have access to these documents. Trump, in his reaction today, criticized both the court's decision and House Democrats, warning that now that this has happened, it's a, quote, two-way street. And the House did try to take some concrete action with this, although it was mainly symbolic. They recently passed a bill that would reform the presidential audit process. Now, this would have required the IRS to conduct an audit of a president's personal and business tax returns quickly after they're filed. It would also require the agency to quickly release the status of those audits and release the tax returns themselves within 90 days after they're filed. But some are saying this sets a dangerous precedent. Republican Kevin Brady, a retiring congressman and Republican leader on the House Ways and Means Committee, wrote that this public release would allow Congress to have nearly unlimited power to target and make public the tax returns of private citizens, political enemies, business and labor leaders, or even the Supreme Court justices themselves. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskup, NTD News. A House investigation found the Food and Drug Administration's approval process of a high-priced Alzheimer's drug was, quote, rife with irregularities. The report released yesterday is the result of an 18-month investigation by two House committees. It's sharply critical of Biogen, which makes the medication Adjuhelm. The report says Biogen set a, quote, unjustifiably high price for Adjuhelm. The committees found the collaboration between the FDA and Biogen in the approval process exceeded the norm in some respects, including not completely documenting how often FDA reps met with the company. The report said the FDA also approved the drug for, quote, people with Alzheimer's disease, which is a far broader population than was studied in the clinical trials. 
The FDA says it's reviewing the findings and recommendations and says its own review found the interactions with Biogen were appropriate. It said it's already started implementing changes in line with the committee's recommendations. And a health expert and former U.S. Army microbiologist warns the possibility of travelers from China spreading a new wave of COVID to the global community as China opens international travel amid a COVID surge. NTD's Colin Fredrickson has details. China is resuming outbound travel for its citizens, this amid a massive surge of COVID cases inside the country. Health expert and former U.S. Army microbiologist Sean Lin says that the Chinese regime's lifting of international travel restrictions in the midst of a massive COVID wave is extremely irresponsible. Many people will carry the passengers, passengers uh, to, to different countries, and the different countries definitely need to prepare uh, if more transmissible variant emerge from China and then got spread widely in other countries. According to a health official, almost half of the 212 passengers who arrived in Italy's Milan airport from China on Monday tested positive for COVID. This resumption of Chinese outbound travel is raising concern among some countries. The Japanese government has been doing uh, is to uh, testing the passengers from China as well, uh, putting people in seven days quarantine if they tested positive uh, for COVID. I think this is essential and I probably hope that more countries were doing it, especially some of the neighboring countries. Data from travel sites show that Chinese residents are rushing to book overseas trips. One site showing that the number of searches for visas to go abroad increased by a factor of 10, and the search volume for international air tickets soared by 850 percent. Japan, Thailand, South Korea, the United States, Singapore, Malaysia, Australia, and the UK were among the most searched destinations. Colin Fredrickson. NTD News. Today, South Korea and Spain joined a growing list of countries to impose mandatory COVID tests for travelers coming from China. President Biden signed the omnibus funding bill yesterday. The massive $1.7 trillion legislation invests in medical research, disaster recovery, veterans' health care, and provides military assistance to Ukraine. The spending bill also keeps the federal government operating through the end of the fiscal year in September. House Republican Kev- leader Kevin McCarthy blasted the package. He said it costs too much and does little to pr- protect the U.S.-Mexico border. But House Speaker Nancy Pelosi supported the plan. She said it would keep the government from shutting down and meet the needs of the American people. Some House Republicans tried to convince their Senate colleagues to oppose the bill to gain more time. That's because the GOP will take control of the House after the new year. Then Republicans will have more bargaining power. Starting January 1st, states all over the country are implementing tax changes. The vast majority of them are tax cuts. And these 11 states are cutting their income tax rates. Arizona, Idaho, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Missouri, Mississippi, Nebraska, New Hampshire, New York, and North Carolina. There's a trend toward wanting lower and lower tax rates. And aside from these cuts, many states have rules that would lower the rates even more in the future. Some states want eventually to get rid of their income and or corporate taxes altogether. Meanwhile, four states, Arkansas, Nebraska, New Hampshire, and Pennsylvania are lowering the tax, corporate tax rates. Laffer Center scholar Brian Dimitrovic says it's good to see states cutting their tax rates, but he says the real race is to eliminate their state income taxes altogether. If you eliminate the income tax, you increase the after-tax rate of return on investments. 
and on production. So if you lower your, if your employees were all paying the state income tax and that state income tax is eliminated, uh, well, then they will negotiate with you a salary that does not include paying for that income tax. And so your cost for labor will go down. And if your cost for labor will go down, then you're going to think about locating in that jurisdiction. The 50 states are basically competing for people. And one way they do that, do that is by lowering their tax rates. Currently, eight states have no personal income tax whatsoever. Florida, Texas, Nevada, South Dakota, Tennessee, Washington, Wyoming, and Alaska. Many people have moved to these states, particularly for this reason. On the other hand, Dmitrovic believes high state taxes drive out investment. California, for example. High taxes are pushing people and businesses to leave. We've seen this in history as well. You can really define the Rust Belt uh, by who imposed state income taxes from 1960 to 1990. Uh, every state from New Jersey to Nebraska inclusive. I mean, that, that's the Rust Belt, you know, New Jersey to Illinois, uh, including Michigan and West Virginia. So it, it's the imposition of income tax rates that drove all the capital and investment out of uh, all the places that are losing right now. The Tax Foundation says states are cutting taxes because of high revenues, high inflation and greater competition for people between states. It says this is partially because of increased mobility. Many people found out during the COVID lockdowns that they could do all their work at home, so they're more able to work wherever they want and in any state they want. The CEO of Tardrus Capital and former consultant at J.P. Morgan points out that whenever one state wins a little, that means another state lost a little. And it's a zero-sum game, so if one state benefits, if one state is adapting to new changes properly and another state isn't, uh, then, you know, the, the adapting state will likely benefit while the other state will uh, certainly lose people. For example, all the people investing in Florida right now, they could have been investing in California or New York if they hadn't moved. So Florida's gain is New York and California's loss. But the new year isn't just about tax cuts. It's also about increases. Seven states, including New York, will raise their gas taxes. The others are Connecticut, Florida, Illinois, Michigan, New York, North Carolina, and Utah. Also happening in the new year, senior citizens and other Social Security recipients will start getting a larger monthly benefit. The 8.7% annual cost of living adjustment is aimed at helping them cope with high inflation. It's the largest increase in more than 40 years. It will boost retirees' monthly payments by more than $140 to an average of roughly $1,827 for 2023. About 70 million people will get the increase, which follows a 5.9% adjustment for 2022. And as the year comes to a close, we checked in again with one Chicago food bank that we talked to earlier this year to see how they're doing now. Steve Wiley, the manager there, told us inflation remains the biggest challenge, but they are committed to keep it going. The pantry is one of only three food banks in Chicago that opens five days a week, according to Wiley, and serves about 2,000 people a month. Thanks for joining me, Steve. So, first of all, I'd like to give a thank you at everyone there at Pilsen Food Pantry for all the help you've provided to your community. But what, what I'd like to know is, how has this holiday season compared to before, you know, with all the talk of a weakening economy? Uh, well, it's been pretty obvious on our end. Uh, what we're seeing is uh, inflation really having a profound effect on our ability to get food that we can distribute. So what that means is that 
we have partners that we use that uh, donate food to us, like major partners such as the Chicago Greater Food Depository and the USDA, as well as smaller donors. And their purchasing power is not as great as it used to be because the items just simply cost more money. They can't buy more. And so our distribution goes down. Now, at the same time, because of the effect that inflation is having on the everyday client that comes here, more clients are coming to the pantry. So it's like a double edge. We can't get enough food and we're getting more people visiting the pantry. So, so how do you get by? How do you cope with this? Well, we have some mechanisms we use, like uh, we stagger some of the products that are more popular. Say, if you come to the pantry on Monday, we might not have vegetable oil available, but we will have something like rice or milk or something else that is uh, more expensive. And then once we run out of the uh, vegetable oil, then we put rice on and we just stagger the very popular items. It also means that you simply don't get as much food on a visit. So whereas before you might've gotten, say 15, 20 pounds of meat, you might only get 10 pounds this time. Have you ever turned anyone away because you're, you were short uh, on something? We, we've had to in the past. We make a rule of not doing that. We just have to adjust at the other end. So, so we, that's when we might have to stagger more uh, products just to get through the week. And we also pay really close attention to the numbers so we can uh, try and predict based on the previous week or month or even year what sort of clients we're going to have. Tell us how people can support or help what you do. So that's, that's really easy. Um, things we need are, are financial contributions so we can purchase more food because we actually do purchase food for our clients um, uh, using donations that we receive. And then also uh, volunteers. Um, we can't do what we do without volunteers. We only have four staff members um, and we might do 2,000 clients in a month. So we rely heavily on volunteers. Mm, I see. So Pilsen Food Pantry has been operating since 2020, I, I believe. What motivates you guys? What keeps you going? Well, everybody that comes here has a strong commitment to their community. A lot of uh, the the people that uh, volunteer here on a regular basis or our staff members, they've grown up in this community. I've been here for 15 years um, and it's one of the best communities in Chicago. And I'm a former chef, so I have a very keen awareness of uh, food waste. And for me, seeing this food that was donated that would potentially go into a landfill and we're able to repurpose it and feed families in the neighborhood, well, that's, um, that's a good reason to do it for me. Well, thank you very much. It was very nice talking to you and Likewise. hope we can connect again. Thank you. Have a very long And on to Wall Street. Stocks ended their final session of the year lower. The main indexes marked their first yearly drops since 2018. It's also their biggest yearly declines since the 2008 financial crisis. The Dow fell 74 points or two-tenths of a percent. S&P dropped 10 points or a quarter percent. And the Nasdaq lost 12 points or one-tenths of a percent. Taking a break now, but if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, Volkswagen recalls tens of thousands of Beatles due to potentially dangerous Takata airbags. And NTD's Phil Zoe goes on a holiday adventure exploring a special neighborhood decorated with bright lights in New York City, something you'd normally only see in the movies. That and more coming up at NTD Business.
Welcome back. Billionaire investor Warren Buffett broke with his practice of staying out of local politics. He's urging his hometown of Omaha to abandon its planned streetcar project because he says it's too expensive. Buffett doesn't often talk about politics publicly, but he has said before that he's a Democrat and supports capitalism and economic growth. In this case, he's made it clear he's against the $300 million Omaha streetcar project. He said it'd be more efficient to make the existing bus system better. He also wrote a letter to a local newspaper and met with the mayor about it. The mayor said, quote, I have great admiration for Mr. Buffett, but I respectfully disagree with his position on the streetcar. City officials are moving forward with the project because they believe it will spur development, including attracting a new headquarters for insurance firm Mutual of Omaha. And Volkswagen is recalling nearly 42,000 Beetles in the U.S. and Canada. It's because they have potentially dangerous Takata airbag inflators. The recall covers the vehicle's 2015 and 2016 models. The National Highway Traffic Administration said today that the inflators can explode with too much force and hurl shrapnel. Takata used ammonium nitrate to create a small explosion to inflate airbags in a crash, but the chemical can deteriorate over time when exposed to high temperatures and humidity. Since 2009, the exploding airbags have killed at least 32 people worldwide. They've killed 24 people in the U.S. Dealers will replace the driver's airbag in the Beatles. Owners will be notified by letter starting mid-February. Although Christmas is over, that doesn't mean people have stopped celebrating the holidays with bright lights and sweet treats. Entity's Phil Zhou goes on a holiday adventure in a small neighborhood that's making a big name for itself across the world. Here's Diker Heights Lights. That's a giant Santa Claus, just one of the many Christmas decorations we'll be seeing today. We're in Brooklyn, New York to visit the Diker Heights Christmas Light Show. Let's check it out. incredible it's amazing it's more beautiful every year it's very colorful it's really cool all the lights I've never seen houses this decorated we've came here like probably ever since I was born good tradition I like it better than Fifth Avenue actually I spoke to Fran Vela Marone she knows all about the neighborhood serving as the president of the Diker Heights Civic Association people don't understand is they think this is put on by some organization or some company or it's some kind of Disney World but it's not it's actually an actual community of people that just put up lights because for the for the purpose of the season. We want to find a uh, safe place to uh, go to an outdoor uh, kind of the festive thing. How do you uh, hear about it? Online, mostly Instagram. Everybody was saying this was a must-see. More houses, I feel like, are light up. Yeah, it's more decorated. Some of the decorated houses go beyond just holiday lights. The color green signifies hope and healing, and it's all about Michael. One house is raising money for charity. We literally raised millions of dollars and funded millions of dollars towards research. This beautiful house, it looks like Emerald City in The Wizard of Oz. It's also, the green is the color and symbol of healing and hope. And our hope is we're going to find the cure for this disease in time to save my son Michael. How much have you raised today so far, you think? Uh, we're doing good. We're still out here, so we'll see. But we're doing really good. Everyone's so generous this time of year. I feel like I should have came previous years. <laughs> but, like, honestly, it's, it's fun. One local business, the Knights of Columbus event space, has been struggling since the pandemic, but staying hopeful over the holidays. Over 100 years, this building's been here 
over 100 years. We don't have that many people coming around anymore uh, to the functions that we have. We're, we're hopeful. It, it, it's going to turn around. It's only a matter of time. Other businesses like the Tasty Pastry Shop is thriving. After enjoying the Christmas lights, don't forget your holiday treats like this Italian cannoli. Long lines outside even on cold winter nights. We were looking at the lights and now we're going to the bakery and for dessert and then we're going to go home. The bakery was so busy, I even volunteered to help the owner out. Just try to put out the best product I can, use the best ingredients that I can, that I have available and it works. You got to love what you do. Anything in life, if you love what you do, put all your heart into it, you'll be successful. The Diker Heights lights were put up around Thanksgiving, and if you're lucky, you'll still be able to catch them until the end of next week. And have a blessed and happy Christmas and New Year. And Happy New Year to everybody else. Y'all stay safe and healthy. Everyone have a Merry Christmas and a great New Year, and hopefully everyone has a great year. Peace and goodwill to humankind. Happy holidays. Good health for family and for me, that's it. <laughs> Just happy holidays to everyone. Wishing you guys all a peaceful, happy new year. <laughs> uh, same. <laughs> Phil Zhou, NTD News, New York. And that's the latest from the NTD business team and myself, Don Mon. You can follow me on Twitter too. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at NTD.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We wish you a happy new year and we'll see you in 2023.